Welcome to the Pac-Man Podcast. Patriotic American citizen, I'm Ted Flint on the BMG Network. Well, Thanksgiving is over. Hope everybody had a great holiday. It was just a fantastic uh, few days for us, for the Flint family. And you know, one of the highlights of the uh, Thanksgiving weekend, they had a, uh, a marathon of West Wing. My wife and I just love West Wing, starring uh, uh, Martin Sheen as President Jeb Bartlett. And they ran it from, I think, Wednesday right through... Sunday night into Monday morning, 6 a.m. Monday. I was before I got up. But anyway, it was it's a fantastic uh, show. If you ever want to get a chance to see it, I'm sure Netflix has it. It ran for, I think, seven seasons beginning in 1999 through 06. And you know, once you get by the liberal bias, I mean, everything's liberal in Hollywood. And this this show is, you know, they're all Democrats. Jeb Bartlett is a Democrat. And it shows a, a little what goes on in the White House, in the West Wing. And uh the characters are great. The writing is fantastic. And uh, just having that on, even in the background throughout the holiday weekend, it was just so enjoyable. Anyway, you have to get back to uh, reality here. It's Monday as I record this. And uh, before we get into a couple of polls here, I'm not, I'm not huge in the polls. I think, you know, they change weekly and, you know, a lot can happen in two years. Everybody's talking about Trump DeSantis and, and uh, you know, what happens if DeSantis doesn't run? Has anybody thought about that? He's not declared. What happens if he doesn't run? Donald Trump is running. We know that. Mike Pence has kind of hinted that he would be a better option than Donald Trump at this point. And uh, all kinds of crazy things happening. We'll get to the polls. But the big race in Arizona is uh, they're getting ready to certify uh, Katie Hobbs as the new governor of Arizona. And Carrie Lake, the Republican and uh, Trump supporter, she was got all the backing of the former president. Carrie Lake said that they stole the election in broad daylight. It was blatant. There was no subtlety about what they did when they discriminated against people who chose to vote on Election Day. 63% of polling places were inoperational or only partially operational on Election Day. Hour-long waits, two-hour, three-hour, four-hour-long waits. I had one report, Steve, where they rolled somebody in in a bed to vote, an elderly person who wanted to vote. When that person got up to vote, uh, they watched as their ballot went in and out, in and out, never got counted. This is uh, this is absolute outrageousness on behalf of Maricopa County. I don't know how it's coincidental. I can't even imagine. I mean, don't into- insult my intelligence by acting like this was just, oops, we screwed up. And you know what else they didn't do? They never certified the printers. And they'll lie and tell you they did, but they never certified the printers being used at the polling places, which were not good printers. The only printer they certified were the million-dollar runback printers. And that story is about to fall real soon when we find out that they didn't even certify the equipment they were using at these polling places. So they didn't certify some of the equipment, but they certified the election today. And uh, Kerry Lake is uh, is not going to be the governor of Arizona as, as of this recording. Or they should have a recount. Because I think she was that that election was stolen, and it wasn't the first one, and it won't be the last one. I think that's the only way Democrats can actually, in in tight races, can win. Just this early this early voting has got to go. This mail in ballot business and these uh, these drop boxes. I mean, they've got to end it. They've got to end it. As, as she points out, Republicans. Somebody pointed out, Republicans will never win another presidential election if this stuff is allowed to continue. The early voting and the drop boxes and the uh, the mail-in ballots. What's what's wrong with voting on election day? 
I've never not voted on election day. You have one day to vote, get in there and vote. Pull the lever or do whatever you have to do. Everything's uh, done differently nowadays, but just vote on election day. I, why is that so difficult? Most of the people who vote early and do the mail-ins are Democrats for whatever reason. They claim COVID. They don't want to stand in line and get a chance of getting COVID from somebody. I, I think that's a lot of nonsense. Vote on election day. Speaking of elections, the 45th president, Donald Trump, has, no matter what you hear on the media, don't buy what they're selling on TV. They're saying that Trump has no chance of winning. I hear I hear conservative talk show hosts here locally saying that Trump has no shot of winning. I mean, it's two years out. I understand where they're coming from. He has a base of support, 35, 40 percent, and they're afraid the people who who backed him in 2016 are now have one foot in the in the uh, in the bucket. They don't want to back him. They don't think he can win. He can win, and if he gets the nomination, he will win. Now I'm, I know that maybe a lot of conservatives don't agree with that, but I'm looking at a poll here from Emerson College, and he's well out in front. Trump, 55 percent of Republicans support the former president in a hypothetical Republican primary. Governor DeSantis is in second. He has only 25% of the vote. And this breaks down in in terms of people's education level. Uh, there's an education divide among Republican primary voters. A 71% majority of voters with a high school degree or less support Trump in 24, whereas 14% support DeSantis. 53% majority of those with a college degree, some college or an associate's degree, support Trump, 28% DeSantis. By contrast, Republican voters with a postgraduate degree are mostly split, 32% for Trump, 29% for DeSantis, 18% for Mike Pence for the Republican nomination. And it goes on, they break it down by age, by education mostly. But, you know, he can win. And if if what happens in 24, what happened in 2016, which it, it looks like it might, I mean, at this point, it looks like a, a, a lot of people are thinking of getting in the 24 race, a lot of Republicans. And if that happens, I think Trump's chances increase. If it's just between him and DeSantis and one or two other people, then I, you know, it might not happen. But Trump got a majority uh, or plurality of the delegates uh, in that 2016 primary. There were 16 or 17 Republicans in it, and all the votes were split 16 different ways, and Trump got in. Anyway, um, you know, there's another thing regarding Trump. I know he's being investigated. DOJ has has set its sights on on Trump. A couple of investigations, one here in New York State, the Attorney General of New York State, who's a political hack, is going after Trump. But he's taking some heat over this dinner he had with uh, Kanye West and uh, this white nationalist, Nick Fuentes. I'm not going to defend Nick Fuentes. I don't know him because somebody says he's a white nationalist. I guess he's a a Holocaust denier. If he is, he's a fool. But Kanye posted to Twitter a video acknowledging the dinner with Trump and Fuentes at Mar-a-Lago. And uh, Fuentes, I guess, has made some anti-Semitic comments over the years. I don't know anything about him, so I'm not going to comment on him. Kanye West is, I mean, he's a bit out there. He's allegedly made some comments about, I, I don't know where they are. I'm looking for the anti-Semitic comments he made about, he says they a lot. And I think he, he, you know, I think he implies Jewish people have hurt his career. He doesn't name them. 
Uh, so Trump's taking a lot of heat. Uh, Trump defended the meal. He said that he invited Kanye, but didn't know he was going to bring Fuentes along. And I, I, I you know, believe Trump. I think when I see Trump and Kanye West together, Kanye loves Trump. But I think he makes, I think Kanye makes Trump a little nervous. So according to uh, former President Trump, Kanye West very much wanted to visit Mar-a-Lago. Their dinner meeting was intended to be West and the president only, but he invited, he, he arrived rather with a guest whom I had never met and knew nothing about. This is what Trump's statement to Axios says, adding that he, he didn't know Fuentes before the dinner. So anyway, Trump's inner circle is criticizing the former president, calling it unacceptable. This according to uh, David Friedman, who served as Trump's U.S. ambassador to Israel. To my friend Donald Trump, you are better than this. Even a social visit from an anti-Semite like Kanye West and human scum like Nick Fuentes is unacceptable. Friedman said, I condemned Barack Obama's associating with Louis Farrakhan and Jeremiah Wright, and this is no different. Anti-Semites deserve no quarter among American leaders, right or left. Farrakhan has been supportive of West. And I could do a whole show on Farrakhan and West. It is, it's interesting. I've been following the back and forth. And Farrakhan makes no bones about uh, supporting Kanye West. He says, young man, don't let them, them intimidate you. And he calls, Abe, calls out Abe Foxman. But Trump said that uh, West was asking him for advice concerning some of his difficulties in particular having to do with his business. And we also discussed, to a lesser extent, politics, where I told him he should not run for president. Any voters you may have or would get would not vote for me. That's what Trump, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but that's what he said. If, if Kanye West runs, and he's, he'll be taking votes from Trump. Anyway, we got along great, and he expressed no anti-Semitism, and I appreciated all the nice things he said about me on Tucker Carlson. So anyway... A lot being made over that dinner, and uh, but the media will make a lot over anything concerning Trump. They'll say that he's uh, white. As far as white nationalist, I think that's a wrong term to use. I'm white, and I'm a nationalist. I love my country. I put my nation first. I put God first, and then uh, family, and then country. If you're if you're white and you love your country, I guess that would make you a white nationalist. If you break down the words. On to us, a, a, a conversation that the former president had with CBS's Leslie Stahl. I wish I had the audio. I, know, I had the audio somewhere, but it was during a 60 Minutes uh, interview in 2020 about the Hunter Biden laptop story, which CBS finally admitted to about a week ago. They admitted 769 days after the New York Post broke the story before the 2020 election. I think one of the biggest scandals I've ever seen and you don't cover it. You want to talk about, this is what Trump said before Stahl interrupted him. Well, because it can't be verified. So Trump said it was important to find out whether or not a man is corrupt who's running for president. That would be Joe Biden. We know he's corrupt. Stahl pushed back and said, all these things have been investigated and discredited. I think, Trump said, it's one of the biggest scandals I've ever seen, and you don't cover it. You want to talk about and then Stahl interrupted him, because it can't be verified. You want to talk about insignificant things, Trump continued. Of course it can be verified. Excuse me, they found a laptop, Leslie. Listen. She pushed back. It can't be verified. What can't be verified? Trump asked. The laptop. Why do you say that? Even the family hasn't. The family on the laptop, I'm quoting now. He's gone into hiding for five days. He, being Biden, has gone into hiding. So they went back and forth on 60 Minutes. 
This is back in 2020 because Leslie Stahl is, was protecting Biden because like most of the media, especially CBS, they are as bad as CNN or worse. They're, they protected Joe Biden until they got him elected. They helped to get him elected. Now, they, two years later, oh, the laptop, it, it may have some uh, damning evidence on there about Hunter Biden and possibly President Biden. Well, I'm sure it does. So much so, the FBI, I was looking at a report. This is from Liberty One. The FBI is subtly threatening anybody who wants to come. They don't want any whistleblowers on this laptop. Mac Isaac is a laptop repairman who found himself in the depths of the Hunter Biden laptop scandal. Social media and reportedly the FBI worked to discredit the laptop story, which was originally published, as I thought, this is where I read it, originally published by the New York Post after Mac eventually shared the information with them. So Isaac gave this account, a chilling account, really, of the warning he received from the FBI, a not-so-veiled warning. About a week ago, this is where I read this in Liberty One, Mac Isaac expressed optimism about the new class of Republicans who have secured a majority in the House. They plan to investigate the Biden family, not just Hunter Biden, but Joe Biden. They want to investigate the the Justice Department, the FBI, what's going on at the border. I heard they're going to impeach this Mayorkas at the border. Anyway, they got some new people in Congress. We want some accountability, is the, the message from Republicans. So Mac Isaac described one of his first interactions with an FBI agent as chilling. He said he was overjoyed when the agents handed him a subpoena. And he made a comment that he would change their names when he eventually wrote, wrote his book. That's when Agent Mike, as he calls him, turned around and told me, I'm quoting uh, this Isaac now, Agent Mike turned around and told me that in their experience, nothing ever happens to people who don't talk about these things. Noting that he did, in fact, change her names in the books. So when an FBI agent turns around and says, you know, nothing ever happens to people who don't talk about these things. In other words, if you do talk about these things, something may happen to you. I mean, we ought to be able to go to our authorities without fear of retribution. The FBI has become, it's like the Stasi in East Germany or the, uh, the secret police in the, the old Soviet Union. This is unbelievable. When people, this is what Isaac said, when people are threatened, they fight back. And we need to fight back against the FBI because it's becoming a tool, a political, it's being weaponized by the Biden administration, by the Biden uh, regime. And now we have a GOP majority in the House. The media is at least now acknowledging the validity of the laptop. Two years late, investigations are already underway. Why wait till 2022? Because, you know, they had to get Biden. They had to pull him across the finish line. We need to know if Joe Biden was involved in his son's business dealings in communist China, in the Ukraine, and elsewhere. And the media's got to be, they should be out in front of this. But they're lagging. Real investigative journalists with real uh, gravitas are investigating this from real news organizations like the Daily Caller or the New York Post or the Washington Times, townhall.com or whatever. There's so many, you, nobody, you don't need to rely on the New York Times anymore or CNN or MSNBC. They're, they're dinosaurs. People don't trust them. 
And this is why we don't trust the media. They have an agenda. And it's to get every Democrat, every liberal Democrat elected to any high office, in every high office. They hate Republicans. They hate conservatives. They have a disdain for the American people. That's about all we have time for. Thank you very much, folks, for tuning us in. Don't forget, check out all the fine programming we have for you on the BMG Network. We have this program, Pac-Man, which airs Wednesdays. My daughter, Madeline, with her show, The Essentials. She's been, I think, off for a week or so. She's had uh, finals in college. She's been very busy, a little bit under the weather uh, these last few days. But she's back, and she has a show planned for Friday. So check that out, The Essentials with Maddie Flint, uh, The Adrian Ross Show. And we have a new program called The Age Sage. Check it out. Go to the bmgnetwork.com and check out all the fine programming. Check the columns we have for you, too, under the PAC Perspective. Try to get a column up there for you once a week. And if you want to contact me directly, you can email me. Pacman, P-A-C-M-A-N, at the bmgnetwork.com, all lowercase. If the Lord wills it, we will talk to you real soon. Thanks for listening. The Pac-Man Podcast was produced and edited in the BMG studio. Music by Kevin McLeod. For more episodes of the Pac-Man Podcast, go to the bmgnetwork.com or go to the BMG Network on Facebook. And be sure to tune in to the next episode of the Pac-Man Podcast with Ted Flitt.